Ott van még Nikolic, Nígó felé, Nígó helyzetben, gól! Gól! Nígó kiegyenlít! Bravo, Loik, bravo, Lolikám, Lajos, szép gól volt! Sallai, azon mellett még el tudjuk hozni. Sőt, Szoboszlai kap labdát. Szoboszlai előtte, Nikolic bent középült, könyves. Szoboszlai, könyves szép helyet csinált neki. Szoboszlai lő, gól! Hi everyone and welcome to another edition of the Hungarian Football Podcast and what an edition it's going to be for you because it's all positivity, there's no negativity in this pod at all until we talk about Friday later but we'll leave that for now. Joining us this week as always we have Tom Thomas Mortimer, how are you Tom? Yeah very good Gabby, I got my positive hat on as well, how are you? I'm very well, thank you, my friend. And I'm looking for some positivity all the way across that big stretch of water that leads to a place called America and our other regular host, Chris Barrett. Hey, guys. So excited to be here back with you guys on the podcast. Um, As you can see, I'm doing my best to stay positive and upbeat. I think this is the most positive 30 seconds this podcast has ever had so maybe we should leave it there and pick up uh, on another on another episode guys uh, next time <laughs> guys who are we trying to kid now a few episodes ago maybe even the last episode we talked about how hungarian football was in an incredible place and was on the up and that was before we played iceland in our playoff to reach European Championships. Um, Tom, wow, what more can we possibly say um, about Hungary 2, Iceland 1? Yeah, it's crazy. Like you say, um, a month ago when we probably lasted the pod, uh, we were looking forward to November uh, with, I guess, excitement, but I guess a little bit of trepidation as well, a bit scared of of what might not come for us when we're so close to um, achieving what we could achieve. Obviously, a potential place in the Euros, potential place in the Nations League. Um, And then this game, Iceland on last Thursday, um, I think I said on Twitter at the time, it felt a lot like the uh, Euros game that we played against them. They took an earlyish lead um, and then we just, had a lot of the ball while they sat back and we just couldn't break them down. Uh, this time, obviously, it was a little bit different with the way Iceland went ahead. Um, it was absolutely horrendous error from Galacci. Like, I think if any of us um, had made that error, I'd have been willing to punch you right in the face. Um, maybe anyone on Twitter, anyone of my family, if my grand had conceded that, I'd, you know, I'd probably punched her in the face as well. Um, so for to see like one of Europe's best keepers who obviously got us to this stage with that amazing performance against Bulgaria do it oh my god and then that I saw a lot of people slagging him off on Twitter 
um, calling him all sorts of things. And I imagine everyone was doing it around Hungary. Um, and as the game was just going on and on, and we just didn't look like we were going to score, it just it just felt like just such a terrible way to to miss out on the Euros from an error that bad. Like honestly, it, it it's as bad an error as you see from a keeper. Really, it's like Taibbi esque um, from back in the day. It was so bad. Um, so. Yeah, heading into those last few minutes with so much riding on it, I just didn't think we'd score. I really didn't. I I was getting, I was getting really really wound up because we we just kept getting into good positions and it just wouldn't fall for us. And like every deflection just kept falling to them. And then finally something actually did drop. Uh, it was it was very lucky the way that we got that um, chance for Nago in a very similar way to. Four years ago, when the Euros went, we got a last-minute own goal to equalise. It, it was a, it was a little bit similar. A couple of deflections, and then Nago's just there making the right run. It would have been a really nice pass from Nikolic if he didn't get cut out anyway. Um, it was the right pass, and then yeah, just fall into him. And I mean, I guess we kind of taken for granted just him just finishing that. But how much kind of expectation would be on him to score that chance. It was an easy chance, sure, but someone like Nago, um, a French guy, he doesn't speak Hungarian, loads of Hungarian people will be saying, why the hell is this guy in the team? We obviously know that um, a lot of games in Hungary, we see racist remarks. So it's something that I'm sure Nago's probably experienced while playing in Hungary as well. Uh, and there will be a lot of people saying this is this is just a fact that people will be saying this that we shouldn't be having a black player in the team, and especially when he's French, he's not Hungarian, blah blah blah. So for him to score that goal, what a story! And for him to then <laughs> kiss the badge in celebration um, after scoring such a crucial, crucial goal for Hungarian football, amazing moment. Um, yeah, it's going to be an amazing story that it's going to be retold again and again. And then as we thought we were heading to extra time, just after Iceland um, looked to look like they were going to score as well. Shige made a mistake and they went in on the right-hand side. It gets played across. Thankfully, Botka clears it and he could have easily cleared it into his own net. It falls out to Shalai. Um, no, no, it falls out to one of their players and then they have a shot. Shige blocks it. It falls to Shalai then and then Shige plays it down the line and then falls to like the only man who could score from that position in the Hungarian team. Like the, the player who he didn't have a particularly great game. It wasn't particularly bad either. He was just trying too much. Like, like us all, we were getting so frustrated and he was just trying too much. He was trying to be too clever. He was trying to be the hero in playing like that final pass, that final shot. It just wasn't, nothing was coming off for him. And then for him to just pick the ball up from that position inside his own half. And then it, it, he doesn't really beat a man, but he chooses exactly the perfect position to run. And like without beating anyone, he just dissects the defence with every touch being perfect. And then that finish just remarkable the kids just turned 20 
And for him to just put Hungary on his back like that, unbelievable, unbelievable. Like, the, the two goal scorers, just, the, the, there's so much narrative to it. There's so much story to it. Like, it was just an incredible moment. Like, a, and just such a release of, like, pent-up frustration that he built throughout that whole game until eight, seven minutes, like, the... When it came out, when Nago scored, it was unbelievable. And then you have that three or four minutes where you're like, oh my God, don't concede, don't concede. Just take a threat to time, take a threat to time. And then we then Sobosai scores that and then, fuck me, what a moment. I, like, I'm sure everyone erupted. I, like, my throat was in bits. Like, I, I, I genuinely actually did a knee slide in my kitchen. I, I completely lost the plot. I'm sure next door neighbour was like, I don't know, ready to ring the police thinking it was a domestic abuse um, situation going on next door. I'm sure that was the same across Hungary. I'm like, I imagine if you, you open your window in Budapest after Sobosai scores, you'd be hearing like roars. I'm sure like people in, I don't know, Romanians would be would be hearing that roar from next door. Like, what the hell is that? Noise is oh yes, Obosai just scored the winner to take Hungary to the Euros. What a moment! Honestly, absolutely unbelievable, unbelievable. Absolutely, perfectly summed up, Tom. Um, on that Nigo point as well, let's not forget he'd been on the pitch four minutes. Um, you know, to take to take that chance, absolutely massive, absolutely massive. And like you say, the the weight of expectation on 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 a player like his shoulders as well, because. Because he is different um, to, to, to the usual Hungarian player, um, it's just phenomenal. So massive, massive. Obviously, Sobosly takes all the takes all the plaudits for that one. But let's not forget the that the man who put us in that position to be able to take it as well. Um, Chris, the build up to this game couldn't have been any worse, really, could it? We um, found out, obviously, with the COVID situation worsening in, in Hungary, that the game would be played behind closed doors. Um, there was an issue with Sobosly not being released by Salzburg to be able to play the COVID, um, positive COVID tests in their ranks. And then Marco Rossi um, couldn't, couldn't be at the game either because he tested positive for COVID. So the 88 minutes that we saw previous to to, to Nigo scoring that equaliser, how much of that do you think was a reflection on on that build up? Do you think that that played on their minds before uh, we even kicked off? Um, yeah, you know, I, I I think I think what one of the things we've talked about um, on the last few podcasts. Um, is the fact that Rossi has been putting together a different kind of culture, I think, with the team. And, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of bad news. There's a lot of things that were going on. Heck, I was thinking, and I'm sure a number of people are thinking, this is going to be really difficult. You know, yes, there's a chance. Yes, we have a good chance. But when you started hearing the news of no fans, uh, possible stars not being able to play, um, you know, in, in – in your typical Hungarian pessimism, you start thinking, well, there it is. You know, we've already, we're already hooking on to our excuses and what's going to be another disappointing uh, end to this campaign. And so, um, but again, what we saw is a completely different team. I think we're, we're being surprised game after game. And, it, and it's not like it stopped at this game. It continued through the next couple of games, as, as, as we'll talk about. But 
it's almost as if every time we turn around and expect them to follow, we, we, we have this excuse served up on a silver platter for mm -hmm. us to use for Hungary. Um, it just it gets swept away. And I mean, it was, it was really an amazing game. I think, you know, Tom, you did a really good job of um, bringing up most of the dramatic points, but um, you know, I, re I really felt like there was a couple uh, of instances. And again, this is, I, I think we're luck or good fortune or whatever, uh, or maybe just, you know, we had players at the right place at the right time, but um, it was about four minutes in where Iceland could have scored. I think Paulson had a, had a header off a corner that was uh, somewhat dangerous. Uh, then came Sigurdsson's goal. And I, I was thinking, you know, boy, this is, A, th th that's the bad luck that we've always talked about. Oh, it's returned. And um, we're, we're just going to be in for a bucket load of, of garbage in this game. But as things began to turn around, uh, it really was Sobo Sly that took over in a lot of different ways. I mean, he, his free kicks uh, look consistently dangerous. Uh, that one corner, I think it was uh, 25th minute or something like that, that Orban got to powerful header that went right to the keeper. I thought, oh, my goodness. Um, you know, th those are things that were beginning to kind of stir and, and make me think, well, you know, regardless of what happened in the past, regardless of what happened in the buildup, these guys are definitely up for this. Um, uh, I think another turning point, guys, and I don't know if you remember this one, but um, me uh, playing goalie and knowing uh, how important this is, uh, Bakke's intercept on that cross from uh, Finn Bogassin, uh he just kind of threw his leg out. There was Bjarnason just lurking mm -hmm. on the far post, and he just kind of went up and over the bar, I think. But that right there, to me, was the turning point um, because that would have been the death knell, I think. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, for, for, for Hungary to kind of survive the rest of that first half, uh, only down 1-0, um, you know, I, I thought was, was good. It was, really was in the second half, though, um, after absorbing a lot more pressure, that uh, they began to turn around. And it was those last um, substitutes, I think, that really brought on that, that final energy. Um, uh, Roland Shalai had a great header that was blocked uh, right before the goal, if you remember that, too. <clears throat> and, um, you know, I mean, there's just so much happening in that last 10 minutes, or even the last five minutes. Um, I, Iceland uh, even had another chance right before uh, Nigo scored. Um, uh, it was a it was a ball played across. Uh, do y'all do remember that the ball that was played straight across? Um, and Goodmanson, I think, was right there sliding in, and the ball just mm. skimmed off the outside of his boot and went past that far post. Um, that was another another play. I think that that could have gone either way, and then it all just changed. And um, I think we all felt. And I I I didn't watch it um, uh, live, but boy, my Twitter blew up so much. Uh, in that whatever 30 to 90 minutes after the game, I, I hadn't seen that many um, uh, notifications pop up through my Twitter feed. And it was, it was amazing. It was a special moment, special time. And as we'll continue to talk about, it's almost like they carried that in through the rest of the week. Yeah. It, it's crazy to think is, you know, it's, it's a week ago um, today that, that, that it happened and it, it still hasn't sunk in. It really, really hasn't. It's so, so so surreal, um, but absolutely marvelous. Um, Tom, the, the team that started this match. Um, now let's pretend that we didn't get those two goals in the um, 
in in those last couple of minutes. What did you think of that starting lineup? And had we have gone out, where where would the changes have been made for you? Yeah, I think I think most of it was kind of to be expected. I think the the, the one change uh, that shocked me most than anything was probably the centre half. Um, of Fiola starting ahead of Long. I think Long's been really good recently. I, I mean, I think I've said on this pod before that I think at time at down the years he's been awful and just a car crash um, accident waiting to happen. But like over the past three months, he's he's been really good. Um, so I, I think it was hard for him to lose to lose his place. I didn't. I don't particularly like Botker playing at right wing back because I don't think he really gives enough an attack. Though, as Chris said, he made that crucial um, crucial uh, deflection in the first half, which would have made it 2-0 had he not been there. Um, so I guess you, did, you do get that coming back uh, defensively. Um, and then and Zolai was just, again, not at the races. Like, I, I can see why you would play him, because at least when you, you bring Nikolicar off the bench... Um, is he, an impact sub potentially. Whereas if you bring Zalai off the bench, you're not really getting anything. Um, but it's just, he's just so off it at the moment. Like obviously he's not played all season um, for for Mainz, um, and you can just really tell. Like his, his his first touch when he's not in form is terrible, and it was obviously terrible uh, last week. Everything just bouncing off him. His link-up play was dire. Like he, he just was not giving anything. Like I, I think I said early in the game on Twitter, like he was good and set pieces defending them because like they were like Iceland for all credit to them were like really physical. They're obviously a big side. They play long ball stuff and they are a threat from set pieces, throw-ins as well as corners and um, free kicks as well. So one of the advantages you do have of Solai being there is that he'll come back and do that defending. But and and obviously people say about Solai one of his best um, attributes is that he's really good at defending from the front. Like <laughs> that's basically why we chose Adam Solai in that game because he's good defensively, but he's a striker. Like <laughs> like he needs to offer more. And he's really, I think he's really got to sort himself out before next summer because he will he will make the squad obviously because he's he's Adam Zolai he's played for Hungary for ages um, he's not even only just played for us for ages he's he, he started I, don't know, I imagine he started most of the games he's played for Hungary um, probably, I can't think of many games where he's ever come off the bench um, apart from that Serbia game obviously um, but yeah. Um, it's he, he's not in a great place at the moment. I think, and that's the the only um, that's just a, a concern that Rossi will have going forward for for sure. Is is who we who we choose up top? Um, Nikolic, we we obviously know that he's a great goal scorer, um, but he doesn't bring that much else um, usually, um, and and and. I don't know how you can continue to choose a guy in Adam Zolai if he does go the whole season without playing. 
a single game for Mainz. Um, I don't know how you can pick him, especially when he's playing so bad. I mean, he will, like I say, he will make the squad whatever happens, I imagine. Um, but I think he needs a loan move in January. Just go to the Bundesliga too. Just go to, I don't want him to go to Hungary, but I think he can get him to move to the second tier of, in, in Germany and, and play there for it for half a season. He will come back a lot sharper, but right now he's just so off it. Mm, it's a it's a very good point. He definitely needs minutes, and and like you say, we'll we'll make the squad. Um, but we we tend to we've got a lot of players that are not necessarily performing at club level, but turn it on for Hungary. But with his performances of late, it is he's kind of it hasn't had the chance to do it at club level, but he's just not doing it for for Hungary either. Um, Nikolic as well is just. I don't get, we, we've kind of, it's incredible how we've managed to get to the European Championships um, without a goal scorer, if you like, without a centre forward. I mean, we could literally have, have put an extra player in midfield and had no one up top. It's, it's been that sort of um, game, the, the way that we've played and got through it. It's, it's, it's really, really bizarre, really. But yeah, something that needs to be uh, sorted out. But Rossi's obviously shown that he's not scared to to call players up that are, that are scoring goals, even you know if it's at NB1 level. So maybe there will be um, someone that, that that does appear after the winter break and and uh, can can get themselves into the squad. Fingers crossed. Um, Chris, if as if qualifying for the European Championships wasn't enough. We still had a chance of getting to the Nations League top table, uh, getting from Group B into Group A. So only a few days after that that Iceland game, it was let's get back down to earth. And um, Serbia were the visitors to, to Budapest and the changes were made. Rossi um, and, and Guerra obviously rang the changes big time. What did you make of that game, Chris? Yeah, I thought that it was um, interesting. I mean, obviously the lineup for Hungary, I don't know if it was surprising. It was definitely weaker um, in a sense, just because, you know, you had uh, Beshe on the right, um, Shiger starting. Um, I will say this, though. Shiger was on the pitch every time a goal was scored for Hungary over this past week. Just going to leave it out there. Somebody had once asked the question, what does Shiger offer that other players of his kind don't. And I'm just going to say there's a little bit of magic about Shiger, okay? And I'm just going to leave that right there. Um, <laughs> uh, Kekshesh uh, along the back, uh, Baka again. I mean, I think they played three along the back again. And then Dibush playing in goal um, for both of those games, I thought was maybe a little surprising. Maybe I'm missing something here. But um, I thought that was really that was really cool to have him play both of those games. Um, but uh, Soboslai obviously uh, starting again. And then Nico up top, um, I, I really kind of felt like, you know, that that's kind of what maybe we needed in the Iceland game at first. Because uh, uh, Salai was, was horrible. Let's just admit it. I mean, I think he, um, he, was, he was just, he was a passenger. And, and Tom, I think you're right in the fact that he may have helped with defensive set pieces, but my goodness. I mean, as, as you were saying that, I was echoing what you were saying about as a striker or forward, you really have to ask for more, especially for somebody like that. And I kind of am likening him to someone, and I don't mean in terms of ability, but like Gareth Bale, who 
has spent a lot of time on the sidelines, injured, not playing. He's a big name. He's getting paid a lot of money, but that doesn't always equate um, uh, a performance, uh, especially if, if you're that out of form. Uh, he might be in shape. He might you know, have the, the fitness and the cardio, but when it comes to game shape, I think that um, it really showed that he was out of his depth against Iceland. And I was surprised that they waited as long as they did. If you think about it, it was right after that final um, substitution where they brought on Nigo and Konidesh, where uh, that's where things just basically changed uh, to the end of the Iceland game. But Serbia and Hungary uh, was a lot closer than I thought. I think Serbia shaded it. I think like shots and on target um, were all neck and neck throughout that game. Um, you kind of you kind of felt like Serbia had um, uh, more product in a sense, maybe a little more talent. Um, but uh, and early I felt like it was kind of all Serbia. Um, but as as things began to go on, it was it was Sobislaj again um, running through. At one point, I think early on he ran. Uh, there was a ball played into him, and he ran over it. And I thought, then there's a goal. There's a goal. <laughs> he just seemed to like leave it behind him in his back pocket. And you could tell he, he got a little frustrated. Um, he had a, he had a header right on and uh, about 10 minutes left in the first half. Um, and then, uh, um, and then w- when Kamar scored, what a pass, who made that pass? Um, was that, was that, was that Nico that made that pass? I think it was Nikolic. Yeah. I mean, it was a beautiful pass, just kind of cut back and, Kamar just kind of strode onto it and, 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 and just a smooth finish. It looked, he just looked so calm and it looked so good. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm thinking that's hungry. Um, that's amazing. You know, it was, it was wonderful to see uh, a goal just go in. So it wasn't bouncing. I mean, like, like Nigo, that was great. We were excited, but it really did ping pong off a, a few players and he just kind of popped up at the right time. Um, obviously, you know, Sobosly's game winner was, a golazo. I mean, it was amazing. But just in the run of play with, you know, them down, it's still the first half. To see a play in like that and see Kalmar just calmly take that thing and slide it home, I thought, wow, it's amazing. You know, wonderful. And then, I mean, I really, I was really proud of Divyush playing. Um, he had a huge save at the end of that game. I don't know if you remember that chip in. Um, it was mm-hmm. just tipped off. And, uh, and Divy, I mean, you call it luck, but I think a goalkeeper has to be at the right place at the right time. And it just went off his hand and off his knee um, and was cleared. And I thought, man, good, good for him. I, it's just, I think it's, for me, it was just so good to see him uh, have a little success there. And, and as we found, that result really did kind of pave the way for, for them to, uh, to win the group. Yeah, I, I remember messaging you guys after, after the game. I thought, I thought it was a really good performance, considering the high that obviously most of this squad were on, or all of the squad obviously are going to be on, but those that those that played this game, um, it, you know, just a few days after, um, I, I thought Ketchkes debut was was fantastic. I thought he was absolutely brilliant. Nodge was excellent. He was he, one of the best games I can remember him playing in a long, long time. Kalmar just just absolutely brilliant. But for me, I had a couple of questions. It's interesting that you that you brought up Dibus, Tom. Obviously, you guys are in the goalkeepers' union. Dibus looked very unconvincing to me. He obviously made that save when it mattered, but he he up to that point he looked a little bit shaky. Um, and also, 
can anyone explain to me what Schaefer brings to this side? Because, wow, he was woeful. Yeah, Schaefer does really look out of his depth. I think every time he plays, you, yeah, you kind of wonder why, why, why is he coming on? Uh, and especially on that game as well, like the two players that were left on the bench were, were Sherry, uh, who was very good against. Um, who did we play? <laughs> uh, Turkey, sorry. Um, he was very good against Turkey, and Kevin Varga, who also didn't play against Serbia, who was obviously amazing against Turkey. Um, yeah, I don't really know what Schaefer uh, brings to the t- table at the moment. And, and yeah, De Bush, I, he did make a, a really good save, important save, like Chris said, but he, he is just a bit shaky. Um, I think I think I think that's just the way he is. Like he, he in my opinion, he doesn't really get his hands in the right position, um, and he flaps at a lot of stuff. Um, yeah, my see my thoughts like he's he's the the typical kind of goalkeeper where if you're hitting something along the ground that he has to get down for and get his hands to that the chances are nine times out of ten it's going to come out from his hands to someone in the area. Yeah, and there was actually one against Turkey um, where he actually did catch it, and I was like, I was just really taken aback because he, he never like he never catches the ball. Uh, and it was a there was a time in that Serbia game towards the end where a corner just dropped straight to him and he punched it away and there was no one around him and you just like oh come on just catch that but I think he just is like that I'm, I'm I've always a little bit surprised by the, the the links that he gets away like he was linked to the shit test today I did, I just don't see that I don't I think he's a I think he's a good shot stopper and I think probably the reason why he is such a good shot stopper. Is because he parries everything, and and that's just his way. You, you, you put uh, international level. That's not always good enough because the ball just keeps coming back. And there was that one against um, Turkey last night where the ball was. It wasn't a. It wasn't a really tough save, but he pushed it straight back into the danger area, and thankfully the shot that came in that rebounded back back to the Turkish player hit Nago and it was probably going in but um, yeah we, we got quite fortunate I think I think yeah he, he's just not he's just not at the level like he's a good Hungarian player and he's, the, he's probably the best keeper in the, in the league I think that's probably uh, without doubt actually he's the best keeper in the league but it's when you when you see him on the international uh, on the international stage he's just not quite at the level but then obviously he didn't make a, a, <laughs> a howler like Galacci um, and also, like you say, Kalmar was just quality. Um, he, I, I think he's been so, so good. Uh, there's a lot of players who have been really, really good um, over these last three international breaks. Long, who I mentioned before. Um, Kalmar, who is just, he's playing, he's just, he's just playing world-class football. Like, he, Imagine, I imagine many play people watching that game who have maybe watched any of those games who don't know who he is. They'll be like, "Who is that kid?" And then look at him; he's playing in Slovakia. They'll be like, "What? Why?" And hopefully, scouts see that as well because you, you'd hope that he gets a move soonish because he, he just deserves it. He's, he's quality. Like Soboslai wasn't particularly great in that Serbia game, um, and I don't think he was particularly great. Like I say, against. Um, Iceland either and, and Colmore was the better player in both games and 
and he's probably been the our best player all year. He's just he's just quality. Um, and another one who I want to mention as well, um, for if we if we don't get round to him, is Attila Zolai, who I think is just uh, he had a bit of a shaky game against Russia at home when we lost three um, two, but ever since that he's just looked he's just looked so good, so good on the ball, like coming out with it, like hell of a left foot, great at passing, a really long range, like long passing range. He's had a couple of really interesting shots as well. And then he's just a beast defending. Like, he's so he's like super strong, good in the air, really fast. I don't know if it's like because he's playing in the back three that helps, but yeah, he looks super good. And like you say about Ketchkes as well, like he got a little bit, um, he got turned really easily for that for the goal when he was just a bit slow. But apart from that, he didn't put a foot wrong. Um, and it's absolutely bizarre. I said it last night after after we beat Turkey, we conceded four goals in six games against teams like Russia, Serbia, Turkey. Like, what is this Hungarian team? And where have all these good defenders come from all of a sudden? And why are all these good defenders, why are all these defenders who we used to hate, like, well, I used to hate, like Adam Long, just absolutely world beaters right now. It's, mm. it's madness. It is a good point. With, with Salai especially, he's only 22 years old. You know, we, we always think about what, what the future of this national team is going to be with, with all the older heads in there. But looking through our sort of squad list now, it's looking quite positive, actually, for for the um, years that are, that are coming up. Um, let's not get ahead of ourselves, hey? Let's bring, let's bring it back down to earth and all of that. But, um, Chris, we... we um, Against Serbia, we saw with Soboslai that kind of I'm going to do this all by myself kind of mentality that we possibly saw. You know, we used to see from Jujak a lot where he kind of decided to take things on himself, not necessarily. Greedy is probably too strong a word, but he certainly decided that he was going to be the one to make things happen for himself rather than sort of setting everyone else up. Um, obviously, quite let's say, quite evident against Serbia. Something that needs to be coached out of him, or or just let him be free, Chris. Well, I, I think um, there, there's not really a set answer for that. I, I think you want to have a little bit of that selfishness because you want to be able to believe in yourself and think that at any moment I can turn the game around. And you know, there was a couple shots in that Serbia game where he just kind of strode forward and could have played the ball through, but decided to shoot. Um, if he would have done that. Um, against Iceland, he wouldn't have had that goal to win it. So I, I want to see him get into those positions, and I want to see him uh, take the game, as, as um, uh, Thomas said, you know, kind of carry uh, the team on his shoulders. But I do think, um, uh, I think you make a good point of coaching some of that out of him. I, I think he becomes a fuller player, the more complete player, when he has the ability to be able to make the decision on, this this is this is the better play. Laying it off, setting it up, you're playing it through. Um, and I just think it's decision making. I think a lot of that just comes with time, and maturity, and experience. And he's getting that. You know, uh, someone smarter than me once said that uh, mistakes are, are are you learning how to adjust in the future. And as long as he can do that, hey, more power to him. I love seeing him take those shots. I love seeing him go for it. You know, with those curling, free kicks over the wall and all that. But yeah, I think you're right. Gabby, especially in Serbia, 
he got he just seemed really frustrated, especially in the first half where everything was going through him and he was making everything go through him. And then just to see Kalmar and, and, and Nikolic team up for that goal, you know, it, it's it, if you keep your eye on him, um, he's excited, obviously, but maybe maybe a little head down there like, oh, that, that could have been me or maybe it was, hmm. You know, maybe I'm, this is a learning uh, point here, but I, you know, I think as a, as a budding superstar, um, he's learning these lessons on the on on the international stage, and and that's a good thing. Um, you know, he's he's at a team right now where, um, you know, he's 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 a star, and he's going to be um, uh, transferred at some point to where he's going to be among a number of stars, and I think he has to learn his place. But um, I, 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 again, I, I'm not in on the ground floor. I'm just seeing what I'm seeing from way over here. Um, I still think he's in a pretty good place and uh, he is coming up big. Um, we've seen him already internationally come up big uh, in a couple of games. And I think th that'll continue as long as he uh, continues to be measured and realize that he has his limits as well. All good points, mate. All good points. Um, so, Tom, it came down to um, having to play Turkey and, uh, in true 2020 fashion, Serbia absolutely smashed Russia to pieces, which meant that uh, beating Turkey, uh, we go to the Group A of the uh, of the Nations League. So, with that in mind, and the lineup that we put out, surprising. Yeah, I think I think probably surprising, but I think it was probably just forced on. Um... I guess Rossi would have been making the decisions, um, even though he wasn't there. Uh, I think, yeah, I think it was forced on Rossi a little bit, just because there was there was very little else for him to choose. So obviously, all the Bundesliga players have gone back. Sobosai had had to go back as well. By all accounts, a lot of the club teams are pressuring the national teams for to make this happen. I don't know how they're doing it. I don't know how you can. And people say oh, yeah, they're pressuring them to do it. Like, I don't really know how that works. Like, how, how are they pressuring them? But apparently they are. Um, so, yeah, we were kind of left with a lot of MB1 players, um, but uh, a couple of Cypriot players. Um, Adam Nodge, who's not really been playing at Bristol City, though he did play a couple of games just before the international break. And Karl Mar, who plays in Slovakia. And then a certain... Um, Kevin Vargo, he plays in Turkey. Like, it, yeah, it was it was not a great team, especially on paper. Like, I, I went into that game thinking we'd lose. Turkey had been in a bit of decent form. They had some top players available to them. I don't think they had their full side, but they had someone like Chalanoglu, who I think we all know his quality. He's been around for ages and he... Like in terms of stature and what he um, gives to their team, um, he plays. Uh, he's like a first team of AC Milan. Like in comparison to anything that we had out there, he's he's miles ahead of ahead of. And then someone like Cenk Tosin as well, who's still playing that like Premier League football. Um, on paper, again, they're on, they're a much better side. Um, we just. I don't know how we do it. I just don't know how we do it. We we were by far the better team in that game. Like we we played the better football. What really surprises me is just how good the players are under pressure and how good they are at playing the ball around. Like well, even when when we were 
doing well on the Dardai and, and Stork. We we never played football like this. It was smash and grab stuff. But we're actually like dominating games here. Like against Serbia, yeah, I thought we played really well again. Like in the first half, we completely dominated that game and it was it was almost a travesty that we were it was one one at half time. The only thing that we we do lack is is just that up front, like the, the final third. And it's something that I think as Sobosai gets better, that'll improve. And then if we just find a striker, then then we we we, we will be in a really good place because players like Nodge and Kalmar and Shiger and Hongia, Attila Zalai, even Long. Um, and then you've got someone like Nago. They're all really good on the ball. They're all really good under pressure. And I don't know if it's that they've really they've been trained well to play with each other in the national team, but they do. Like Turkey, their team on paper is better than ours. Serbia's team is miles better than our team. Their team is like you. If if we we could maybe play all of their players. Like on paper, all of their players would probably get into our team. It's, it's not far off being that level. Like Luki Jovic plays for Real Madrid for good God's sake. He doesn't play that often. Um, but he was sold for like 40 million to go to them. They've got like Tadic, who was amazing in the Champions League a couple of years ago, Ajax captain, I think. Like they've got so much quality. And we were better against them. We were better against Turkey. With players who play in MB1 like what is the secret and I think it might be for them being the, the, the fact that they're being drilled to play in a certain way and, and that's all credit to Rossi if that is the case maybe it's a bit of desire which is always great to see if that is the case as well but yeah um, we, we are really good at the moment um, in terms of that and just performing above expectation and like I say, I don't think there's really a, much else in that team they could have chosen. It's interesting that he went with Conviers again. Um, who, he wasn't amazing. I don't think he was particularly bad. And I thought it was maybe harsh that he came off at half-time. But the man who came on for him, Kevin Varga, well, um, like, he, he's not really featured much for Hungary. Um, but he, he was he was his quality. Um, really busy behind the uh, behind Nikolic, who was kind of playing up front together-ish, um, was desperately unlucky not to score um, the first goal, which took a hell of a save to stop him. And then thankfully Shigo was there um, to, to deflect in. And then that second goal, like it, like I say about Soboslai, he, he didn't beat a man. Kevin Volga only beat one man, but every single touch was perfect. Like the first touch to to take it past that man was perfect. The second touch, just to smash it like miles in front of him while running at top speed, perfect. Third touch, perfect. Um, I think he took one more to just sail for his right foot. And the finish wasn't uh, the best finish he's probably ever had. It's probably his first one, which the keeper saved, was probably a better finish, but um, it had so much power on it, it went in. And yeah, all credit to Kevin Varga. Um, what is he, 20? Um, so that's another exciting prospect to come through. I think maybe is a little bit older than that, um, but playing in Turkey and playing first team minutes in Turkey, um, yeah, that is another exciting player to, to, to see. He's not. A, I don't think he's a striker. 
Um, he's not someone that we'd, we'd replace Zolai with, but he's a player who can play up top um, as part of a two. And, and yeah, we need we need more of them really. And yeah, excellent to see him come through and, and do well. Very much so. Twenty twenty four years old he is now. So oh wow! Still a oh, I didn't realize that. Old still a youngster. Um, it it would be great to. Obviously, he was going to leave Debrecen with with them being relegated, etc. But if if he was to return there next season, when obviously they're back in the first division, I think that would be an excellent move. I think he would be uh, incredible back in the back in MB One, and obviously Rossi's picking players on merit, not not where you play, which is you know really really refreshing to see. Um, Chris. When you looked at the sideline for the last three games, uh, the players would have looked at Zoltan Gera, obviously one of the best Hungarian players I've ever seen in in my lifetime. Um, Rossi took team talks like via video um, at full time, uh, uh, sorry, at pre match and at half time. Um, how much do you think the players were buoyed by seeing someone like Zoltan on the on the sidelines? Well, I mean, I think anytime you have a legend um, standing in front of you and you and someone who has earned the respect of an entire country and um, a generation of footballers, uh, how, how can it not? You know, um, and just knowing the kind of person that he is, not that I know him, but I've heard him speak and I know what, how he, what he believes about football and a little bit about his philosophy. He just sounds like somebody that can instill confidence and um um, I just I think it's I think it's a good thing and it's probably de- definitely something they needed to hear. Um, but you know, um, there th- this is this is a time where um, uh, a, a new Hungary is kind of being formed and we're we're seeing it in you know right in front of us, which is really exciting um, because I think you know when I first started following all this stuff, it was right before the last Euros and met you guys shortly after. And, um, you know, obviously it was, there was something about that team that caught my eye and then it all went to shit, right. Um, over the last couple of years. And, and I thought, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm going to get embroiled in this Hungarian thing. What am I doing? You know, I feel like I've been swept out by a riptide and now I'm going to be adrift in this sea of pessimism for the next 12 years. And then this, and it really has been exciting to see, um, all of, all of this happening. Like Tom said, it's not just a smash and grab. It's not all luck. I mean, they're really playing pretty football. I, I was uh, watching. I only got to watch the first part of the Turkey game. Um, I didn't even get to see the first goal. But, you know, in the first, you know, 25, 30 minutes, uh, Nigo bursting down the right and 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 sliding that pass in for uh, for Konevesh. And I thought, oh, my gosh, they almost scored you know, right there. And it was beautiful. I mean, it was outpacing it was timing it was just things and like like i mentioned before in that in, in the game uh against serbia with uh with kalmar um watching them score these goals and 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 set up these chances this is a different it's a different side um and uh and rossi not having to be there and uh and putting others in to give the team talks and all that kind of stuff again i i just have to keep pointing to the fact that it's a different culture it's a different time it's a it's a different mindset with this group of players, and to have players that can come in from the NB1. See, one of you two said something about uh, Rossi choosing 
players uh, of because of merit and not necessarily where they play, well, that's Salah out of there, right? And then why not bring in Janos Hahn from Pax? I mean, he's the one that's scoring up the charts right now in NB1. We know that's not going to happen, as fun as that would be. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's just – it really is fun um, to see all this happen. And Dibu's uh, – no, you're right. He's a shot stopper. He's not maybe a great keeper in terms of, you know, continentally or internationally. But uh, let's be fair also, um, he hasn't had a whole lot of time being uh, displayed on that stage. And um, as you mentioned before, he hasn't played um, anywhere outside of Hungary yet. And I wonder if he got picked up by Besiktas and started playing there and uh, how his game might change and how he might season a little bit more. So, you know, who's to say? I, I, I feel like a, like a giddy schoolgirl, and um, I meant that pronoun on purpose, but it's, it's important, I think, for us to just be excited about this and enjoy this at the moment because it really is a special time. And I, and I think all Hungarian fans should be looking forward to the summer and, and what's going to happen because all the speculation and everything that we're going to be talking about right now should be positive. They're moving up to the, uh, the A division in the Nations League. They're going to be in the Euros next summer. Um, and, uh, and, and we should be positive. You know, uh, uh, Hungarian pessimism be damned. It's time to be positive about this team. <laughs> Absolutely right. You know, this month, um, three years ago, guys, we lost 2-1 to Luxembourg. Um, and, and that was the same same uh, season where or year where we lost to uh, Andorra, um, Switzerland. Portugal, you name. We we absolutely what what a horrible horrible year and probably one of the lowest points um, of Hungarian football. Uh, 2018 didn't get particularly better. Losses to Kazakhstan, um, Scotland, Australia. So to think where we are today is just absolutely baffling. We finished last year um, with one win and. Five, defeat, five defeats from the last six games of 2019, scoring 10 goals and conceding 15. Um, this year, 2020, we have lost one game. We've lost 3-2 very narrowly to, um, to Russia. Um, and we've won five and we've drawn two. It, it, it's absolutely phenomenal. Like you say, we've, we've scored 12 goals and conceded six games, uh, six goals in those um, eight matches. It, it's just baffling to where we are. Absolutely baffling. And long might it continue. Um, obviously, the the group stages that, that the group that we've got at the European Championships is going to be interesting. Um, but we didn't expect to get anything out of the last championships so you know maybe we can uh can upset them but we'll save that for another podcast guys um now thank you to all the guys on twitter um we love interacting with everybody um all the listeners it's fantastic keep the messages coming so we've got some questions um this week from um say the guys on social media um tom we'll start with you alex would like to know is this the end for guys like Kadar, Jujak, and MB2 players like Pat Kai and Pohu? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. Um, Kadar is really interesting um, because obviously he's playing in China, which you, you well, if, if a player goes there, it's usually 
a sign that they are good. Um, I maybe the reason why they're going there is isn't for the right reason, but they only buy good players. Like if you look at the players that are actually playing over there, the foreigners, they they usually quality. And I think in in the team that Kadar plays for, Graziano Pella's in that team, and uh, Marouane Fellaini's in that team. So. I know these aren't these aren't slouches who he's playing alongside. I mean, the, the Chinese players might be, but uh, the foreign players aren't. Um, so I think it's I think it's interesting. I think for Cardar to come back, he'd, I think he has to come back to Europe. He it just seems that because he's playing in uh, in China, that that's that's the reason why he's not um, he's he's not going to get a chance. Uh, I think I, I assume that's the case. Like. Um, we've got a couple of players playing in Uruguay, obviously, like because that's just what happens with Hungarian footballers that go play Uruguay in Uruguay, and them they're not being called up as in Vadoc and um, Paolo Vinicius, um, and Vinicius has got an actually a good chance of winning the Copa Libertadores with Nacional, um, so he's another one I think like if if he goes on to win the Copa Libertadores. Uh, is there a chance that he could make the Hungary uh, Euro squad? Like, he's not even being thought of anymore. And Kadar's a bit like that. Like, we've almost forgotten about him. I mean, the thing is, with both of them, we're so good defensively at the moment. Like, we don't really need them. Korhu, I think, is the same. I don't think... I don't particularly rate Korhu. So, I, and I, I think Hong has been really good at left wing back. I really, I really think he's good on the ball. Um, I think he's not particularly great defensively and he is quite slow but I think I think he's super good on the ball and, and the way that we play it, it kind of he can kind of afford to be not that great at left wing back a little bit like Holland there who's again not the greatest defensively but he's he's put in a shift at, at left wing back and um he's done quite well. So I think Corhu will struggle to get back in there. Potkai I feel like we miss Potkai at times because we haven't really got a a really a ball winning midfielder um, and and someone who can sit in front of the defence, um, and 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 that is a crucial position, especially against the the big boys. If we're playing Germany, um, France, and Portugal next summer, um, that that kind of position is needed, and we haven't really got that. So, I think Potkai and who was the other one that we he mentioned? Uh, Jujak. Oh yeah, Jujak, of course. Um, I think they all, all of them, they need to move to MB1 to get a, to get a chance, and I don't think they will. Like, I don't think Jujak is going to leave their Brexit halfway through the season after the after the kind of the hero's welcome that he got going back to them. Well, I think he has to. Like, you can't call up a player playing in the second second. I mean, it, it's almost bad enough that we've got, got a team of Hungarian. Based players, but you can't call up a guy who's playing the second tier, surely, surely. But I still think Potkai and Jujak in particular have got a lot to bring to that team. I think I think Jujak would be a great impact sub. Like I don't, I would definitely wouldn't really want to start him. But sorry. do you genuinely believe that? I think he would. I think if you if we look, we're looking for a goal with twenty minutes to go. I think someone like Jujak could provide you with one just because he's, he, I'm sure he won't have lost that spark of like that, that two metre sprinting where he can just shift it onto his left foot and have a shot. 
I think if we if we're desperate for a goal, I don't think there's many other players that I'd like to see ahead of him. Um, I mean, the only thing is that, like, what level is he at? And I think that's why he has has to play at least in MB1. I think, like, if he did, like, a six-month loan to anyone, anyone in that league, and then he showed that he still has the ability. Um, but, yeah, I think... I think it would be too much of a risk to play him in MB2. It, it's you can't you can't play against I don't know Holodosh and uh, Voshosh and name name me any team in that league and then go and play against Germany who are full of Bayern Munich players. <laughs> you can't play against France who are the World Cup winners. Like you, you, you can't do that. I, I, I think it's it's way too much of a step up, and obviously they they all have history of playing in the national team, especially Jujak, who's got so many caps. N- not for me. I, he he has to. They have to move, um, and and they should. Like it, it serves them right. It serves someone like Andros Rado right as well. Like he had a massive chance to make the national team. He just won uh, golden boot in the in the MMB one. Like looked like he was getting his career on track, and he's gone to MB two. Completely got no chance of making the national team now, and it serves him right for that lack of ambition, in my opinion. This is the thing, Chu Jack. Um, going back to Debrecen, obviously is his is his hometown club. Um, I get the reasons why he would go back there, but I fully expected him to set that league alight. Uh, it, it's it's MB two. We can dress it up as much as we like with saying there's big clubs in there and there's some star players in there. The star players aren't doing it. Jujak is not the person responsible for Debrecen winning games and being top of the league. He's not standout. He's not doing anything spectacular. It's almost like he knows this is the end of his career. Let's just stroll through it. Let's just get this contract up and and, and then we're done and we'll, we'll go and sit on the TV and do some punditry or whatever it might be. I just don't see... I just don't see it with him now. He's he's not given me what I expected, um, and I just think it would be a waste of a space in 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 the um, in the squad for for Hungary's European Championship team, where it also is quite disrespectful to a lot of players that are obviously a lot younger that are working really really hard to to not get called up, like you know in, instead of him. Um, and like you say, with Rado and people like that, again, they were expecting to go to Voshosh and be, you know, walk in the league and everything like that. Um, okay, they're getting a bit back on track now, but again, not a standout player at all. It's really, really surprising. Um, yeah, and like, like, and that's why if, yeah, that's why like there's no way back for someone like Jujak unless he, he, he went to MB1 and, and started ripping it up. Yeah, if he does the same in MB1 as he's doing in MB2, if he went back, like, you can't call him up either. I mean, by all accounts, he might, he might just be finished. Mm. He's not finished. He's Hungarian, Tom. Oh, OK. Like Anthony Amy. Andy B, uh, he's sent us a couple of questions. Thank you, Andy. Um so one of them was obviously about Kadar coming back. We've covered that one. His other one, Chris, um, how do you guys see Attila Salai um, 
his performances in the national team and where do you see him going next? Um, obviously, he's playing out there in Cyprus at the minute at Apollon Limassol. Um, yeah. Over to yeah. you, Chris. Yeah, I mean, um, and I think Thomas mentioned this. Um, uh, a young player who really just caught our caught our eye over this past week. I mean, playing in that back three on the left side-ish um, really did. I would say over the three games, if you were to average it out, he was probably even I, – I, I would even say this above long, it would, it would have been the best of, of, of the defenders. Um, you know, Baca had some good plays and all that. But just talking about um, solidity, um, cohesiveness, um, you know, just uh, just consistency, I think throughout those uh, the games that he, he was in and the time that he was playing, he just he was uh, on fire when it came to uh, being just being a good, solid defensive player, which I think they, they really needed. And and again, it's just an, another one of those players which. Uh, that's that's kind of painting this picture of this of the new Hungary, right? So you've got um, someone like him who is has really turned the corner or seems to be turning the corner on on the international stage. What's next for him? Boy, that's probably more of a question for Tom than it would be for me uh, or even for you, Gabby. I'm not quite sure. I mean, I, I think there's a lot of places up from Cyprus, um, you know. Um, but uh, you know, at this point right now, um, he seems to be playing very good football and I, I think he, he can continue to do, to do that uh, to do that playing uh, at higher and higher level uh, as we go and hopefully maybe even by this summer um, you know he'll, he'll have been linked to a, a bigger better club um, just to comment a little bit about you know the the former heroes uh, especially someone like like Jujak I just wanted to throw this in here and he's and I, I keep going back to like like Buddha also for um, for Pox any anytime you go back to your home club you're done Okay, let's just be honest. And um, I, I, I'm, true. <laughs> I, I, I'm with you guys. I mean, I think it's that's kind of the swan song. I mean, we see this a lot in, in American sports, too, where, you know, they break in with a team and then they, you know, they, they, they make their millions and they come back. It's kind of like their swan song. Hey, this is uh, this is what I'm doing to kind of see myself off. And uh, even watching something like like Buddha hang on long enough for him to, to go back. Now he's playing center back, I think, for for Pac. So. It's, you know, let, let's hold on as long as we can. And I kind of feel like um, as, as, as good as Jujek has been for this club in the past, his time has passed. And these players that are coming through, I almost feel like he would be an echo of something that once was, and they need to be looking forward, not backwards. Um, I think out of the team that they have right now, they can find somebody or somebody needs to emerge that's going to be the new leader, the new voice, uh, the new person that steps up. And, um, you know, whoever that might be, that's, again, one of those things on the cards that that'll be exciting to see as we look forward in optimism over the next six to nine months. I love, I love that word optimism. I, I, I looked it up the other day and, yeah, I was quite surprised by, by what it meant, but we'll, we'll keep on using it for sure. <laughs> um, Salai is, is excellent. Um, looking at the, the who scored ratings for, that, for the Hungry Squad. He's first in in our ratings over the five games, um, last five games, average rating of 7.27. Phenomenal, absolutely brilliant. Let's say the the, the players are surprising us. Um, Where he goes next is, it's a strange one because again, we have players that perform absolutely brilliantly um, at international level, yet if you were to watch them at club level, 
you'd probably go home after scouting them saying, not for me. So uh, it'd be interesting. I mean, if he keeps this up at, at this level um, and even at, at the Euros, if he puts in some good performances, then then who knows? Um, he's still young. He's still got a, a heck of a career. Um, let's just, you know, the best thing we could hope for is that he doesn't end, end up back in Hungary before he's 25 because um, then it's probably game over for him. Um, Tom, uh, a question from Michael. Michael, thank you for your question. Which players from the under-21 side do you expect to be pushing for a place in the Euro 2021 squad? Yeah, good question. Um, I don't think there's too many that will be will be there or thereabouts. Um, I think the main one uh, is Boton Balot, um, who who ended up making his Serie A debut for for Parma um, just a couple of weeks ago against Inter Milan. Played the full ninety, a centre half, another another defender. Like after all these times, it's like a bus, it's like buses, isn't it? We wait for one defender, and five of them just turn out to be world class. Um, and hopefully, hopefully this guy does as well. Like. I think he's really highly rated at Palmer and obviously um, making making a Serie A debut. Uh, how old is he? Eighteen, uh, and it's pretty it's pretty exciting. Uh, well, we've had a lot of players in Serie A come through and, and not make it. Um, I think to back to Adam Vosch, um, who ended up just being an MB one player in the end, and Roland Varga ended up being a MB one player. Vladimir Koeman. So it's not something that we should get carried away with right now, but for him to be playing first team football um, in Serie A is, is quite exciting. And if he, if he ends up cementing a place in the team, I think he, he, he's got a really good chance of making the squad. Um, who will push out? I'm not sure, but um, I think, yeah, I think he's, he, I think he's the major one, really. I don't, I don't see it much else from that, that crop, I don't think it's a very good crop at all. Um, and weirdly, um, their, their win last week, I think it was last Friday, was actually the first time Gear has actually won a game as under-21 manager, which I think it's only about seven games or so, but it's yeah, it's not a good record. And I don't think that's particularly down to to um, to Gear himself. I think it's just the team that they've he's got isn't great. Um, Daniel Jory, I guess, is another one who might be an outside chance, but he's just not been very good ever since scoring that Pushkash uh, award-winning goal. He's just not been very good. So, like, I think he's he's, he's just gone to Budafok, I think, hasn't he? Um, on loan from Vidi. And he's not really playing there. So, um, I mean, the only way that happens like because we are we are looking for a striker so that's why I was thinking maybe if Shory has a really good six months he might have a chance of, of making that squad and he's in terms of the, the frame and his playing style it's very similar to what we want it's kind of a back to the, back to the goal kind of striker big and strong um, but he has to turn it up turn it on um, for Woodlock and it's looking unlikely at the moment is that lad at Debrecen, uh, Donat Barani. I think he's top scorer, isn't he, in um, MB2. Uh, and he's only 20 striker. Um, 
he looks really good. But again, I, I don't think you can call up an MB2 player. And I think that's really it. I, I really like Shabot Schoen. I think he's, ever since he was at Ajax, I thought he was a quality player, but I, I don't think he's good enough for the first team. And yeah, that's really it. Um, I think I think the, the main one is Balog. Um, it's going to, yeah, definitely one to keep an eye on. If, if you've not heard of him as well, just... Um, keep keep checking that Palmer team to make sure uh, to make to see if he's in that team and um, yeah, um, eighteen playing in area that's quite exciting. Yeah, definitely, that's a really good shout. And yeah, the under twenty one team has had some absolutely horrible results going back over the last couple of years. So it's uh, got to be quite um, what's the word I'm looking for? Disheartening, I suppose, for for a lot of those players that are. That are turning up um, every call up to to play for the side, and it's just just not working for them. Um, Chris, given the this is uh, a question from Neil. Sorry, Neil. Um, given the incredibly tough group they're in for the Euros, um, what are Hungary's expectations? You can't have your positive head on for this, Chris. Surely. Yeah, sure. Why not? Um, let, let's remember that. Uh... I think there's a lot of people who felt like um, uh, with, you know, two minutes to go against Iceland that uh, we, we, we weren't even, we, we, we even going to have a summer to think about. I think everything from this point on is, is sunshine and unicorns. Um, I don't care how hard it is. <laughs> and, I, I, you know, I, 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 let me backtrack a little bit. They're, they're in. That's a huge accomplishment. And uh, it's, it's a, it is the group of death, right? Um, so every one of those games is going to be tremendous in terms of who they're playing. And um, it's just, it's, I, I just think for, for Hungary to be playing against those teams at that level at this time is going to be a, a moment to just be excited about. Um, expectations? Well, I think we've met expectations or even gone beyond them a little bit. Um, for the summer, I think be competitive. Um, there's no way I think we can win that group. And, uh, this is where my pessimism is going to come in there, obviously. Um, so, so winning the group, uh, uh, being able to advance from the group, no way. Um, even third place is, uh, probably way out of our reach. Anything can happen. Sure. Uh, does lightning strike twice in four years? Probably not. So um, I like where this team's going. I like where they've gone. Um, I think them setting themselves up in uh, the A division of the Nations League is going to help them with coefficients moving forward. Um, and I think if they continue to build this team with confidence, recognizing who they are as a team and knowing that they're not up yet to snuff with teams like Italy, Germany, Spain, England, um, I think I think it'll be good for them to to get a couple of points uh, or a point at least out of that group, um, and uh, you know we'll see. Um, you know we're, we're leaving 2020, so the year that anything can happen, um, maybe we're going into a year where everything normally. I don't know. I, I have no idea, but I, I think it's I think regardless of what happens, there should be an excitement about the summer. Um, if they lose every game, yet they are competitive and look cohesive. And, um, you know, it's a young squad. I, I think that's, that's something that we can look forward to and, and kind of hang our hats on and say, okay, let's, let's keep going. 
Um, but I think to put too much of an expectation because we've gotten this far, we've seen some good results, um, is is going to be detrimental, I think, to the um, the attitude of the Hungarian supporters moving forward. I don't think we can put that kind of expectation on them. Um, guys, what are your thoughts about that? My initial thought is it's like 20 to 5 in the afternoon over there, Chris, now. A um, bit too early to be drinking and be, be drunk, isn't it? Is is it? <laughs> Mate, I, I honestly, I love, I absolutely love, 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 love your positivity. And um, if following Hungary over, the, like I say, these, these last four years, especially, or just before getting to the Euros, it's it's that expect the unexpected with with this side. They've never let us down when it's when it's mattered. Um, I, I genuinely think that we can finish with a goal difference that's not worse than minus four. That's my that's my absolute hope. But I couldn't care less. It's hungry European Championships. Waited thirty years for for the first appearance four years ago to to be back there now is 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 brilliant that will do me I, I i genuinely don't care what we do what about you tom yeah me too um i watched the germany game of the night when they were playing spain and they lost six nil and that gave me in my mind i was just look thinking about next summer and thinking man we've got a chance we've got a chance of beating these um, but unfortunately, that game's in Munich. So, well, like, I mean, this is the weird thing in it. Like, we, we're all kind of going on that this is going to happen across Europe. Surely, that is not going to happen. No. I, I know we've got a vaccine potentially on the on the horizon, but surely, surely, like the, the whole of Europe, we won't, won't be vaccinated by next June. So, I'm, uh, unfortunately, this is where I'm going to be quite negative. I don't think. For all the Hungary fans who've maybe got tickets to the Budapest games, I, I don't think you're going to be able to use them, but maybe I'm wrong. Um, but it's kind of weird, I feel, that everyone's just kind of talking about that's just what's going to happen. Um, and there doesn't really seem to be any um, plans or any rumours about what could happen without it. Like I've heard Russia mentioned a couple of times. I've actually seen England. Yeah, England would make sense, I think. Uh, there's, that's been um, That's been sort of in in the press over the last week or so that um secret plans have been leaked that could that could show england hosting it um completely um clearly these... would... sorry go on yeah i was going to say that would make sense wouldn't it because like we well, you've got um you've got all the stadiums there um and obviously it's quite a small country so like moving between everywhere it's quite easy and I think that's why like Russia was mentioned because obviously they just hosted the World Cup and they've got all the stadiums and everything. I mean, they've also got this fake vaccine thing that they, well might be real. I don't know um, that that they have, and I think that's another reason why they were mentioned. Um, Germany, I imagine, would be a good choice. Um, I, I just can't see it being held across Europe. Anyway, that was a big diversion. What what do I think we've got a chance? I'd love a point. I'd love a point. If we got a point, that would be amazing. Um, it really would, because because I think what we've got to also think about it's not just us playing these games and hoping for a result. Like 
every team in that group is going to have to beat us to get through. Um, obviously, three teams do go through in, in th that group, but say whoever we placed second, I think it's Germany, um, say Germany lose their first game and then they play or second, they are going to have heaps of pressure on them to win that game. Again, every team's going to have massive pressure to, to beat us because they have to. If they want to qualify, they have to beat us. And that might play into our hands a little bit. Um, a little bit. I think we kind of, I can't have said the same thing before the Barcelona game with Froddy. But I don't think it's, I don't think the gap between Froddy, like uh, between Hungary and the teams we're playing in the Euros is as big as the gap between Froddy and Juventus and Barcelona is. Um, I think there's, I think there is potential that we could get a result in one of the three games. Again, I'd be, but I'd, again, I'd, I'd be delighted with a, a point. Um, but as like you, I'd be delighted if we um, finish with minus four goal difference because that means all the games are close as well. Um, we don't want to go there and get absolutely hammered in the first game because then it could turn ugly in the next two. Um, but you know, anything can happen. Like Chris said. Um, four years ago, we we didn't expect to go through the group, um, but we ended up finishing ahead of Portugal, Portugal, who ended up winning the tournament. So uh, you never know. Three draws, they might send us through the group. Take that. New Zealand did that a few years ago in the World Cup. Very I don't true. think they conceded. I don't think they scored a goal. Um, <laughs> but uh, they drew, drew three games in a row, nil nil. But I think they did go out. But I'd take that. Three nil nils. Oh, with our defence, we probably will get it. Good shout, good shout. P feel the positivity flowing through your speakers and headphones now. Just close your eyes and desert island and all that. In your wow, it's incredible, guys. Um, Charlie, now Charlie is a legend on Twitter. Charlie is a mad Debrecen fan who um, lives in England with his Hungarian wife. Um, he's every nb1 game he's there for a chat about um obviously watches his debris and all the time absolutely lovely guy as well um his question that um gonna pop to you chris first is um should kevin varga get more minutes for hungry uh, maybe not as a starter but coming on as a second half sub thanks charlie yeah uh first of all i think i think charlie thinks he should <laughs> um uh, I, I think watching him last year play uh, with Debrechen, it was a little frustrating because I think as a um, his club performances seemed a little shaky. Uh, he wasn't the player I think he was two years ago um, in club. And then, you know, for, for where he is now, I mean, watching him play um, in those last two games – um, in the Nations League, I, I would like to think that he would get a little bit more time. I don't think he's quite up to starting 11 caliber yet, but um, it was that run that he made um, and the shot that he made against Serbia. Um, I'm sorry, wait, that was against uh, against Turkey, right? The first goal um, was really impressive. And uh, he did. He worked really hard. Uh, from the moment he got on the pitch to the end, um, yeah, I'd like I'd like I'd like to see him play a little bit more and see what he has to offer. Um, you know, I, I've always rated him. I thought he was a good player uh, in NB1, and to see him out there 
um, he didn't seem out of place, uh, especially against Turkey. And so, um, so long story, long answer short, yes, would like to see more minutes. Would be interested to see what he has to offer um, in some of these games leading up to the uh, to the Euros this summer. I agree. Um, Tom, interesting, when you spoke about Dujak uh, being able to come on with, you know, 10, 15 minutes to go and make that difference, um, surely Varga's a guy that can do exactly the same job. Yeah, definitely. And that's exactly what he showed um, against Turkey. Um, he did exactly that. Um, and I guess it would be a pity if someone like Dujak um, took Kevin Varga's place, to be honest. Like, it would um, it kind of be a kick in the teeth for, for someone like him, especially after basically taking us to the Nations League. Um, yeah, I agree. Good stuff. Um, Aidan has a, a question. Thanks for the question, Aidan. Um, Tom, we'll start with you. This is this is one that I think we get asked probably on a on a daily basis. Um, how far do you think Dominic Soboschlai can go as a player? Right, right to the top. I I really do believe that now. Like I I always thought he was class, and then he kind of had a bit of a three or four months at the start of this year where he was getting linked to everyone, but he wasn't the best player in the Salzburg team. And I kept saying he needs to make himself the best player in the Salzburg team, not do some, what do something like Drew Jack did where he thought he was amazing at 22 or whatever, whatever age Drew Jack was. And, and then ends up, yeah, believing his own hype. I don't, I just don't think, Juju, I just don't think someone's like does. He seems, I, with so much, like so many, so much expectation around him, and being the hero that Hungarian fans just want him to be so much, and having some, having the world at his feet from so young, like not for, let's not forget that at sixteen, everyone in Hungarian football knew who he was because of what he did for the under seventeen team. That doesn't happen every. Every year, every year, like uh, ask the average uh, Hungarian football fan, name a player in the under seventeen team. They won't even be able to tell you one. But every Hungarian football fan knew who Sobosai was because of what he was doing at that level. So he's already had this expectation for four years, and he's just getting better and better. Like I don't, I think his dad, by all accounts, is playing an amazing part in his life. Coaching him, keeping him level-headed, um, pushing him in the right direction, which is is so needed for our players, and it seems to be what Solvasai has done so well. Like, I was I was really scared that he'd go to someone like Juventus or or Arsenal in the summer, and then just not play. Um, and I also just didn't expect him to come back from lockdown and be as good as he as he has been. He's just been remarkable. Um, obviously, in in September he scored that stunner against Turkey. Um, did he score one last month as well? Um, I can't remember. And then obviously scoring that absolute thriller um, against against Iceland but obviously in between that he scored a goal against Atletico Madrid in the Champions League 
he scored in the first game that they had in the Champions League again um, for Salzburg. So he's doing it at the top already um, for teams that are, are, are not at the top. It's not like he's doing it for as a, an impact sub for Juventus when they're 4-0 up or whatever. He's doing it for uh, for teams. Well, he's, he's been the main, main man for teams and he's stepping up at the top level. Um, I, I honestly think he can go right to the top. I think obviously the, the, the thing is with any young player, it relies on luck and choosing the right moment and um, and then obviously hard work and desire. But I think he has... I think he has all the tools um, in terms of the path he's on, like being at Salzburg and hopefully getting to Leipzig, which I think is, is, is going to happen. Um, having the right people around him and, and his agent, who, who seems like he's at least guiding him in the right direction, and his dad, who, who's done a phenomenal, phenomenal job with him so far. Um, his work rate, he, he, he does work hard when he plays. Like It was always a criticism, again, of, I, I always compare him to Jujet because Jujet was our last star, our last player who came through who we thought was going to be the best thing since sliced bread. And Jujet never had that work rate and defensive ability that um, Sobosai does. And Sobosai does work hard. Um, and he, he, he's intelligent in the way he presses as well. And he's going to gain that from playing for Salzburg. Um, and then obviously he's just got ability. Um, but on top of that, he's also got that... that um, effectiveness that so few players with that quality even have. You think of, I mentioned Chalanoglu earlier in the in the show. Like Chalanoglu is a similar player to Jujak in terms of like the ability they both have, but Chalanoglu doesn't affect games as much as Sobosai, which is crazy because Sobosai is twenty. Like Paul Pogba, I think as well. Like I think Pogba and Sobosai are quite similar. Um, they've got similar attributes, but. Like what I think that Sobosai has again, it's hard to compare in someone like Paul Pogba because Pogba's a World Cup winner. Um, he plays for Man United. He's been at he's played for Juventus for the Champions League. He's obviously been at the top for a long time, but Pogba doesn't affect games as as much as um, I think Sobosai has the potential to do. Um, he's he's I just think he's phenomenal. Um, I, I I just hope he just. He just keeps improving. Like the, he's twenty years old. It's 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 hard to it's hard to forget that. You, it, it's hard. Yeah, it's, it's easy to forget that. Sorry. Um, you see him make the wrong choice, and you're like, ah. Oh. And you like, and then in your head, you just like, yeah, he's twenty. <laughs> he's got um, he's got amazing ability. Every time, every game that he plays, he's the best. He looks like the best player on the pitch. Like. Honestly, I, I, I think he could be, um, yeah, as good as anything in, in the game, in his position. I really do think he could be that good. I, I 100% agree, and I, I absolutely hate him as well because he's incredibly, <laughs> he's incredibly talented. Um, he just has an aura. He has a swagger. Um, that is phenomenal. It's it's endearing. Like you say, he's 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 twenty years old, and a lot of the times, with his celebrations and his you know his reaction to to things that he's doing on the pitch, 
is exactly what you'd expect of, of a 20 year old yeah. probably look like it's a bit um big headed and that kind of thing but like you say he's a kid still let him be a kid let him enjoy football because there's plenty of people that will want to knock it out of you um chris the, the, tom mentioned there moving to leipzig will be uh, phenomenal we've been we've been talking about that move for probably a year now um about how it's the move that we want him to make rather than agents and, and whatnot. I think the best thing that um, happened to him um, over the past nine months, and if, if you guys remember, we were hearing rumors of him going to every club in Italy, um, and we were all kind of collectively going, ew, uh, was the fact that none of those rumors came true. And... Um, uh, you know, I, I think I think Tom has had a the finger on the pulse of Dominic Sobislai ever since he was 16 years old. And I think Tom knows best in terms of where he needs to go and what needs to happen with him. And so far, it seems to be lining up accordingly. Mm-hmm. And um, the fact that uh, out of nowhere, all of the uh, Italian suitors disappeared. I think that's Tom playing his godfather role. Um and making sure that none of that would happen um, to keep <laughs> Silver Sly intact uh, in his head, as well as um, just preparing him for what's next. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's to, to me, it, it it is the logical next step, um, big money move for him to go up there and really test himself at a level playing in the Bundesliga, which I think is really, um, boy, I, arguably the best league in Europe right now, perhaps. Who's to say? Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think for, for all interested parties, um, especially for him and for his career, that, that is a logical next step. Excellent. Um, last question we, we've got um, for, for this pod is um, from George. And George wants to know who makes the best langosh. Um, George, um, it's a it's a great question. There are so 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 many places across Hungary that you can uh, that you can buy this stuff. Um, I'm I'm going to be completely honest here, and and it's you know I might have to give the give the Hungarian passport back in, but I'm not a big fan of langos. I'm really really not. Um, I keep trying <laughs> trying savory. I keep trying sweet, and comes covered in cream cheese and onions and uh, oh it's do you know if i think a couple of mouthfuls is is the perfect amount for me anything more and it's like wow i i'm not moving for the rest of the day um but i do like i said i do keep pushing myself to to try and to try and eat it um the best best place i i would say um if you know budapest it's next to um Nugati, um train station it's called retro langosh um They've got a few branches throughout um, Budapest. Um, that area there, like where Nugati is and that, like quite an edgy, rough around the edges kind of area as well. So eating langosh around there, standing up in, in a retro place, I think is, is, is quite a cool, quite a cool place to go. Um, but there's probably a hundred foods in Hungary I, I, I'll eat before before I end up with a, a langosh in, in all uh, honesty. What about you guys, Fan, fans of the um, the deep fried stuff? I, 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 yeah, I really like it actually. I think it's got 
like I've got to cover it in like cream cheese and I've probably got to be drunk um, to actually enjoy it. I don't think I've ever had one sober, to be honest. Uh, it just never, never really appeals to me when I'm sober. Like, like you say, it's, it's just, it's very filling and yeah, there's not much to it. But like, if you just want substance when you're a little bit drunk, like just like pour it into your mouth. Yeah, I, I really like it. Um, but yeah, I can see why. Well, I, 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 yeah, I can't see really why it's so, so amazing. Like it's almost like a delicacy. Uh, I can't see why it's, it's like that. But like, I do like it um, from time to time. I um, I went uh, across there uh, two years ago for the Vidi Chelsea game, um, and I went with a, a few mates. English mates and they tried it and they were like what 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 is this what is this like they just they just couldn't get their head around it um they liked the rest of the oh, we kind of did like a lot of uh, traditional Hungarian foods and stuff but, and they liked that mostly but um yeah couldn't get their head around the langosh <laughs> Chris have you had a chance to um to taste it over there is there any like Hungarian expat community where you are well, you know, I lived in Budapest for eight years and I never ran into a langosh that I didn't like. So, um, which is, you know, not surprising because in the South, in America, we have these things um, called state fairs. Uh, if you've never been to the Georgia State Fair or the North Carolina State Fair, it's, 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 it's a big carnival. And the biggest attraction at every one of those is the fried foods. You, they fry hot dogs they fry twinkies they fry oreos they fry everything you can possibly imagine and the biggest thing is what's the weirdest thing that you can fry and get away with tasting good and it's, it's typically what they sprinkle slather soak it into on whatever um you know langosh sounds like all those things put together all at once and um yeah, I, I really lied. I, I never did live in Hungary, but would like to someday. Um, and I'm, I'm guessing Langosh is going to be the thing that takes me to my grave. But um, it could literally after eating it as well. <laughs> I was going to say it's probably killed many, man. And maybe that maybe the fact that I don't drink um, is is why I don't like it, Tom. That's probably the nail on the head there. But I, I, I don't know. Imagine everyone sort of running for running for kebabs or something like that around Budapest. I didn't, didn't sort of think Langosh would be the the food of a drunk, but it makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> it sense. Um, guys, what can I say? It's been an absolute pleasure um, talking to you guys this evening. Um, European Championships, Group A and Langosh. Where else do you get that on, on any of the... Um, podcast um platforms that you that you're listening to this through um next episode guys we're going to talk about Ferenc Varos in um in the Champions League uh big game coming up for them on Tuesday and we'll also have a look at the World Cup um pot that we'll be in pot three now I believe we're locked into um maybe next time what we'll do we'll do a draw and see who we can uh who we can face in the in the World Cup qualifying because surely that's the next stop for Hungarian football. Um, Tom, thank you very, very much. And we'll speak to you soon. Cool. Thank you very much too.
and Chris, thank you for uh, giving up your time. I know the time difference is, is bad for you, so you can now enjoy your uh, evening meal. Well, delightful as always. Thanks, Gabby. And obviously, thanks to all of you guys for, for listening to this. Um, absolute pleasure. Keep the questions and chat coming on uh, on Twitter or Facebook or whatever platform you use for social media. And we will see you next time around. Biz lad. Stay safe and uh, keep listening to the podcast. <laughs>